Well, it wasn't the week that everybody wanted, uh, the homestand everybody wanted for the Guardians themselves uh, as they dropped uh, two to the Reds and uh, dropped two, one of one of two to the Tigers after another rainout. Another rainout. I'm, I'm just at this point, I'm so, I'm over the rainouts. Uh, it's May, April, April shower is supposed to bring May baseball and that has not happened yet, but. Plenty of good things to talk about in the Guardians minor league system, as always. And uh, joining me after his uh, week off is Willie Hood. I'm Justin Latta. Willie, thanks for joining me again this week. How was your uh, your vacation last week from the show? <laughs> you know what they always say: you always have to work harder to take a vacation. So I'm actually going to be taking some time off of work soon, and I find that that's the case. You have to work harder to get that time off. <laughs> That is very true. Yeah, you well, you're you always earn the time off here, but we enjoy having you and I enjoy chatting about the system with you when we get a chance. I know you didn't have a chance to watch the Guardians last week as much, but uh you didn't miss a ton on that end. But I know you kept up uh with the My Lake system quite a bit last week. So um before we get into all that, uh, make sure you're you know, all the good stuff we're supposed to promote, the subscribe to the show, uh leave us a review, leave us a rating. As I always say, if it's less than five stars, uh, if we're not doing a five-star job, tell us tell us why. Give it, you can give us four stars. I hope you don't, but uh, if you do leave us anything less than five stars, then feel free to you know, at least tell us why we're not doing a good job. Um, so, yeah, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Make sure you're subscribing to the site. We've got people in Columbus covering games in Akron, uh, Lake County, and we have somebody in Lynchburg this year, which – I believe we'll have Josiah on the podcast uh, in the coming weeks. He's uh, the first GBI reporter on site in Lynchburg, so that's good. Uh, make sure you're following us everywhere. Jail underscore baseball, uh, Will Who 99, official underscore CGBI. Got some good stuff coming up. I know Willie's got a, lot, a mock draft coming soon uh, with our special contributor, Jared. So be on the lookout for that. Tomorrow is tomorrow's draft Tuesday, right, Willie? Tomorrow, another draft piece coming out tomorrow. Yes, sir. Part number seven. And uh, I think there's 15 players in this one. So this will be a fun one. I think we're getting into the top of the third round back half of the second round type of talent. A lot of talent in this year's draft. I know some people have um, communicated they don't like it as good, but I like the overall depth and quality of the draft. Um, There's definitely some star talent up top. Cleveland won't sniff. but they have a great opportunity and the largest bonus pool that they've had in years and will have the highest pick that they've had in a number of years. Um, I think since they selected Will Benson, I can't remember what year that was, 2017 maybe? 16, yeah. They all run together after a while. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'll be fun. We haven't quite gotten you know, to do our re-rankings yet. I've, I've been thinking about our rankings a little bit prospect-wise. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with this draft, but I'm excited to also, you know, like you said, they've had, they've got a chance to add a top 10 talent to the system with where they're picking. And um, yep. I'm excited to see how we re-rank things after the draft. I think we'll have a draft podcast. Let's say today is the 23rd of May. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Two, two weeks out before the draft, like the last, maybe the last Monday before the draft, we might want to get a podcast out on that. Yeah. 
We'll have Absolutely. that coming up at some point. There's yeah, a lot. We, may, just, we might have to bring them into two. Yeah, that and that's just a timing thing too. There, um, and doing two podcasts that week would be a great idea for those that follow and listen. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, the closer the better because you start getting more information out. Usually, um, I 2020, I heard Carson Tucker's name and mentioned him in the very end of that last podcast that we did uh, before the draft. And um, turns out Cleveland rolled the dice on Tucker and uh, looks like it came up snake eyes on him right now. I was just going to say that was not a, uh, a favorable role for them at this point. Yeah. Yeah. There's time in- injuries suck. I mean, let's face it in 2020 and all that has followed has sucked for all of us too. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. We're still going. We're still going. Um, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. We'll get some draft content out, prospect or podcast wise in the future as well. I think we had someone suggest they wanted us to do like seven podcasts a week or something at one point. I forget what that was, but somebody was telling us we should do like a podcast every day. I'm like, man, that's that's tough. Like Jeff Ellis uh-huh. does that and and I think Quincy does four uh-huh. or five a week. Uh I don't have that capacity. I barely have the capacity to keep up with what I'm doing right now, but um Speaking of keeping up with, did you keep up with Hunter Gaddis last week? Because I don't think anybody oh, did on the, on the field. Um, Eastern League, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Eastern League pitcher of the week last week, uh, Hunter Gaddis. Um, six innings, no hits, a walk, and ten strikeouts. Uh, up to ninety-seven was eleven strikeouts. Oh, I had it wrong. Look at that. I, there were so many strikeouts, Willie, that I could not fit them all into Twitter's uh, two minute and 20 second video allowance. I had to put it on YouTube and, and tweet the link. That's how, you know, you had a good day as, as a pitcher. So um, the broadcast said he was throwing 97. I know I heard the broadcaster say he was throwing 96 in the fifth inning. That is a major step up for him. John Elrod was on the podcast last week, our Akron rubber ducks beat reporter and had mentioned that Gaddis had been sitting in the mid nineties this year, last year in Lake County. Willie Gaddis was like, I don't know, 90, 92, he would occasionally at 94, which was fine. That's, you know, that's not bad. You know, he's got some ride in the fastball, so it got some carry and, and played up above the velocity. But now he's at 97, and I got to tell you in the highlights, man, guys weren't keeping up with it. And I'm really curious what's next for Hunter Gaddis because we know he already has that incredible screwball changeup. Now he's got a better fastball to go with it. I think the slider's improved. He, uh, he had, I don't know what the curveball looks like. The slider was kind of his third best pitch. The curveball was fourth, but it was big and slow and had a, had a lot of shape to it. Um, I'm assuming with the increased velocity, it's it's also gone up. Um, do you think I, – I forget where Gaddis is. I have to look at our rankings, but um, 38. is your outlook – is he okay, he's 38. Wow, so he'll be moving up for us. Um, has your outlook changed on him? I know it's only May, but has your outlook changed on Hunter Gaddis for what he could be in the future? You know, when they drafted him, I said four fifth starter possibilities of uh, being a, a number three. I know you were concerned at one point with him being a, a, a uh, maybe a bullpen arm because of the crossfire delivery and uh, pot- the potential to impact his control, and it has not. Um, I think he touched 94, 95 in, in college. I think when he was with Team USA, he may have been popping some 95s. Uh, that may have just been out of, you know, it, adrenaline. Um, so with a harder harder fastball velocity, definitely I think his stuff's playing up better, and that's what we're seeing. 
I think um, he's been impressive having, I think, what is it, four out of seven outings so far. Uh, my general rule of thumb with starting pitchers is, um, you know, give them seven outings and see what they are at, at the level that they are at. When you get to seven outings, you can generally gauge where they are and what they, what, what, where they are at in their development at that level. Um, I don't think he needs a lot more in, in Akron, to be honest with you, if he continues on this, but where does he go from there? Uh, you know, we've kicked around the idea of guys below him pushing upwards. Um, you know, it's his time to shine right now with Daniel Espino out. Yes, for sure. He's picked up a lot of slack and, and, uh, you know, there's a couple guys out Burns is out and, um, Curry Curry's been okay. He's had some, some tough outings as well, but yeah, he's really picked up the workload for Akron and along with Joey Cantillo, Mm -hmm. uh, it's been really impressive to see. I, I think you're right. Four or five starter was about where we thought he was. And I think that's due to the fact that the fastball velocity was, you know, kind of waning. I think you said he was 94, 95 in college, but I think it was more low nineties consistently. Yep. If I remember right. So if he's sitting more, I don't know, 92, 94 and touching 95, 96, 97. Now that's a big difference for him. Um, I would say three star. I mean, the controls there, I, I'm a, you know, what's the most impressive about Gaddis is that the delivery is still kind of crossfire. He still has the head whack, which most people really are always concerned about command wise. But I mean, Max Scherzer makes it work. Not that Hunter Gaddis is Max Scherzer, but uh, nobody is. But um, he makes it all work. Like everyone said, uh, delivery is a little bit stiff. Uh, not a phenomenal athlete, but I know he went through a lot of um, different uh, weight training over the offseason that's made a difference for him. So if that's all working for him, I think I'm most impressed that he's still got good control. I mean, his his walk rates are right around average. You know, I would say he's probably got, I don't know, 50 command or 45 command, 50 control. It's pretty close for, for all the faults you can find in his delivery, I guess, mechanically it all works and he's throwing strikes, which is, I think the most impressive thing about him at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, at the major league level, if he comes in as a number four, or even if it has a number three and he's throwing 65 uh, out of a hundred pitches for sh- for strikes, you know, that's a winning recipe right there. That's all he really has to do. Even if it's just 60, 62, if he's in that league average, um, potentially, you know, uh, maybe there's more with the fastball velocity. It depends on who's calling the game and how they use his stuff. You know, um, I think he's a near ready product. I'm just going to say that right now. I, I think he needs a little bit more time. He is 24 years old does have the Team USA experience. It's something that they like. Something I like personally, too, is when these guys get get onto the field and play at a higher level or against higher level competition, rather. Yeah, he has that for sure. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a spot for him in Columbus, I think, if they want it. Um, I think they got to get guys healthy, and I think when you get to the second part of the year with the draft picks and other guys getting on the field, especially when Hankins and Vargas come back and some other guys from – uh, even Ryan Webb, we haven't talked about Ryan Webb in a few weeks, but even when he comes back, if he gets to Lynchburg or Lake County, you push some guys upwards, maybe you can I'm – not, I'm not saying I want like guys like Tanner Tully and, and Kirk McCarty to be, you know, let go, but, I mean, at, at some point they will be because they're not part of the future of this organization as t- in terms of um, the starting rotation, whereas guys like Gaddis and – Battenfield and Logan Allen and Espino, those guys obviously have clear-cut futures for the most part. Um, that would help make room for them in Columbus. And 
Um, hopefully he can get one of those spots that comes up soon. How about another player of the week this week? Uh, Milan Tolentino of the Lynchburg Hillcats is the Carolina League player of the week. Man, he is on another level right now. He just hit his uh, first home run of the year this week, uh, hitting 379 overall with a 509 slugging percentage. I think his OPS is it's coming close to 1,000. He's got an uh, OBP over 400. Everything about Milan Tolentino is is better than expected, I would say, offensively. I think, you know, we, we talked about him before, really, that the glove we were pretty sure about, and the arm is good at shortstop. But um, I don't know. I, I keep waiting for him to cool off with the bat, and maybe it's maybe it's Carolina League pitching, but uh, he is not cooled off. He continues to hit, and I'm, I'm ready to see more. I'm ready to see him at, at Lake County. I know the reps aren't there at the moment, but um, – I think he's proved that Carolina League pitching is no match for him at this point. Yeah, and he's um, he's only 20 years old for the level, which is younger than league average. Uh, without looking, you know, I can tell you league average is probably 21, 22. So it's a very young player. He doesn't have a lot of at-bats when it really comes down to it at, uh, at that level. He did get in at the end of last season. And, you know, I watched the video there, and I was really encouraged with you with you, with him. And I told you about that. <laughs> you can be really encouraged. It's okay. you, <laughs> not, not many people are, so that's good to hear. Thank you. I appreciate that. Not everyone. Not I'll, everyone. I'll have, talk to, I'll have a talk to Grace for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks. Well, I'm sure she'll be listening to, to tell me that, that, um, that you said that. Yeah. It's all in Tino for sure. The opposite field home run. The power looks good. Um, he's got a ton of doubles. He's getting on base. He's not striking out. That's, I don't know. It's like I said, he's still young for the level. So it's not like um, he's a 22 year old beating up on, on Carolina league pitching. I know Carolina league pitching this year has not been uh, great. If you look at the numbers, especially I think Salem has had some issues this year, but um, nonetheless, he's impressive. He's not old in the league and he is ready for another shot. So we'll see what happens in the second half of the year with him. Um, George Valera, another big week for Akron, three home runs, uh, OPS is now, you know, getting in the mid mid 800s again. I think it's like 824 last I looked. Um, good to see him starting to heat up a little bit. I know he has mostly been drawing a lot of walks. And uh, John said last week it was maybe he was being a little bit aggressive and just swing at the first hitable pitch versus working deeper counts, even though he's walking. Um, so good to see him. We'll see if that continues. Binghamton, from what I'm told, has a uh, very lackluster pitching staff, Willie. So. Uh, might have been a good week for Akron hitters to get some confidence. We'll see if they can continue that at home uh, this week. I know Bo Naylor had another big week for them. We'll talk about that. Uh, Joey Cantillo, four innings pitched, eight strikeouts, no walks. That is a second straight uh, outing for Joey Cantillo with zero walks. He had like uh, back-to-back starts this year, Willie. We had uh, like four or five walks in two games each. And then the month of May, I think he has like one walk. That's pretty impressive. His control – has really started to come around. I'm, I keep saying it every week. I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to clear a forty man spot for Joey Cantillo. I know it's May, but I'm ready to do it. Hey, works for me. I, I like him too. Like what I see this year, and you know, it, it's really impressive. Like I said, you know, give a guy seven starts. My my rule of thumb used to be five, and then I come to find out five wasn't really enough. Now it's seven to ten for me. But I, I think you really have an idea who. Pitchers are at seven starts at a level. He seems like he's really hitting his stride. And something I like for pitchers to do is to get into that um, swing of the pendulum, if you will, 
but they're going with the momentum that they have. And it, it seems like that's really carrying him. Um, that's a good way to find future success, I think, for pitchers is really building confidence and finding out who they are as a pitcher and using their stuff. Yeah, he's gone with a lot of fastball the last couple starts, I've noticed, too. Like, you had talked about the changeup and the curveballs improved, and he's added, like, a cutter uh, slash slider. But a lot of fastballs the last couple starts, and it's working, so that's good to see. I know he's up to 96 this year, so Cleveland has unlocked some new velocity. I think it's um, – I mean, we'll see where it goes in July and August if he keeps that up. But, you know, like I said before, when he was with uh, the Padre system, when I saw him when he was pitching in Slate County, he was really 88, 91 and would hit 94 occasionally. But now he's more 92, 94, hitting 96. So Cleveland, I, I think that's here to stay. I think you might see some starts later in the year where he's maybe more 91, 93 and um, isn't quite getting to 96. But I think the, some of the velocity is for sure here to stay. I think it's a permanent thing, not just an early season thing, but sometimes you see. Um, speaking of velocity, really, again, this week, no Daniel Espino. Uh, we're up to, I think, five weeks now where he hasn't made a start. I'm not going to speculate anything because I mean, I've heard different things uh, that long the last already. few weeks. Yeah, What's initially, it's, um, uh, I said it's been that long already. Um, initially it sounded as if it was nothing major. This doesn't sound major. If it's only five, six weeks, we don't know. They haven't really given us a firm timeline. Um, as long as surgery is not an option right now. And I'm not really too concerned with Espino. Even after that, he takes great, you know, uh, great care of himself and he's in great shape. So, you know, I think the logging the innings are important. They'll find a way for him to get those, even if that means instructs in the fall and stuff um he does need the development at that level uh but uh really we're talking about missing 20 25 innings here how significant is that in his overall development at this point i don't think it's huge um if we're talking missing the rest of the rest of the season that's that's another story you know it, it does hurt him i even if he did i um i couldn't see dropping him out of the top five prospects just for what he is um so that would be worst case scenario and knee surgery and all of that. But I don't think we're even looking at that since they called it tendonitis. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard it described a couple of different ways. Again, not, nothing concrete. So I, I don't want to say anything, but I mean, you kind of think that this will be like, okay, this will be his fourth week missed. The last start was on um, April 29th. So when we're going he, at, the, at the end of this week, it'll be four weeks for him. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens in June, but I don't, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to say how long he should be out with patellar tendonitis, but yeah. Um, in in different timelines. Um, I think one to two weeks is very, a very mild case. Four to six weeks would be your next. I'm um, kind of like, you would look at the terrors major. We're all familiar with that on the terrors major sprain. Uh, yeah. And tendonitis is different than a sprain or a tear. They're it. Tendonitis is micro tearing, where a sprain or a tear is basically a tear or a smaller tear. Um, micro tearing is, let's say, pin size holes. Uh, use that as an example. Uh, I work in healthcare. My mom's a nurse, so I'm a little <laughs> familiar with all of this. And I've had several injuries that have resulted in a lot of time seeing physical therapists. Uh, That's why you're on the show now and not and not playing. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah. I could hit nine broadcast and where it was going. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's grateful for that, that you didn't know where it was going and you stopped throwing those. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, more, yeah, more qualified. Really this I remember throwing behind <laughs> the batter one time, so there's that. Oh, that's good. I'm sure that batter uh, was confident standing in there the next time up. At least you had that advantage over him. You were effectively wild. Yes. Well, I was uh, wild. Not effectively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have been there. I'm only effective. I'm week to week. It depends on depends on the day, um, even now. Uh, Espino, by the way, moved up to number 11 on Emily Pipeline's rankings. I know we don't talk about a lot of other rankings as much anymore because we have our own and um, you know, we, we, we take all that into consideration as well, but, uh, up to number 11, he started the year 49. That's pretty impressive considering he hasn't pitched in four weeks. Uh, it tells you how much evaluators really like his growth this year. Uh, hopefully he's back soon. Like I said, hopefully no, no ligament or any kind of tearing, uh, in that knee. We'll see. Uh, we thought Gavin Williams last week really was going, going to Akron to replace him. He is not. Uh, he he pitched last Friday for Lake County. He's pitching again this week for Lake County. We'll see what happens uh, when they come back home. I know they don't make promotions a ton when teams are on the road, uh, unless it's absolutely necessary. So we'll see what happens there. Um, it was the last Friday home game that uh, I had heard Williams was going up and thought he was, and apparently something changed. So um, it happens. Anyway, other, other things in Lake County. Uh, how about this, Willie? John Kenzie Noel played right field. Last Saturday for Lake County. What do you what do you make of that? You know, that's interesting. He's an athletic big dude. I mean, for his size, he's not just a first baseman. Uh, I think that's part of the reason that they were willing to leave him out at third base some, you know, and, and let him get some hacks out there. Um I think it was you that mentioned that there was the possibility uh, of teams potentially taking him in the rule five if there was one and even trying them out in the outfield. Um, you know, I, I think that's what they were seeing is where's his versatility going to lie? Is he just going to be a first baseman? That right, right profile would be a little bit more comfortable as an outfielder. Um, definitely has the power to be a corner outfield bat. Uh, definitely has the power to be a DH. We don't need a DH. <laughs> yeah, I think not right now. Well, yeah, well, I, I think, you know, too, and I've alluded to this on, on Twitter several times, but, uh, and I'm not a big fan anymore of just having a player that's a sole, de- you know, designated hitter. Unless you bring in somebody and it's for the pennant run, that that's another story to me. But uh, having somebody that's locking down that position every day to me is not a good idea. So I, I like the yeah, idea. Of Noel, there. Like the like the idea of Noel um, getting some more positional flexibility, if you will, out in the outfield, though. Yeah, I'm. I don't want to say I've seen enough of him at third base because look, when I saw Nolan Jones. Uh, for the first time in 2016, or I'm sorry, 20, 2017, I think was the year. Maybe it was 2018. What year he was at Lake County? I had to double check. But when I saw him for the first time at third base in Lake County, I thought, yeah, he's probably going to play first base the outfield. That's still maybe where he ends up. But um, now, if he plays those positions, it's only because Jose Ramirez is here long term or he goes uh, somewhere else. But uh, he can play third base. I don't think he'll win any gold gloves, but he'll be satisfactory there. Um, so I, I shouldn't say that I'm out on Noel as a third baseman, but based on what I've seen so far, he has a lot of improvements to make at, at third base. If he's going to play there in the future, I do think he's a future first baseman. I don't really know what to make of him in the outfield myself. That was his first game 
out there. I know he saw some time in the outfield and instructs in the fall. Um, he only made, he only had two balls hit his way Saturday. One was uh, right at him. The other one was down the right field line. He got, he got over there to catch it. He really needed to, to hightail it to get there, I will say. But um, he does have a lot of athleticism. He's really athletic as a first base. I don't know how that translates to the outfield. Um, but I think overall he ends up being a first baseman. But I know some people on Twitter were asking last week about why right-handed hitting first baseman are less valuable or right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing first baseman are less valuable than left-handed hitting, left-handed throwing first baseman. And mostly that's because um, left-handed hitters balance your lineup a lot more and left-handed throwers can't play anywhere else except for the outfield of first base. So it's not a big as, not a big deal if they end up sticking at first base versus not playing anywhere else. Whereas when you have a right, right-handed hitting, right-handed throwing first baseman, um, you do want some more versatility out of them unless they're going to hit, you know, like uh, Edwin Encarnacion, right? That's that's the way they end up providing the most value for you at first base. And we don't know about Noel yet, but um, his profile stands to improve. If he can play the outfield, you're, I guess the, the pressure on the bat is less if he can play the outfield, I guess is the best way to put that. Um, so we'll see what, we'll see what happens there. Uh, speaking of first baseman, Willie, Will Bartlett hit the IL last week uh, with a hamstring injury. He was doing pretty good before the injury, so that's tough to see. Um, how about Yordas Valdez? Had an uh, eight-hit week this week. Um, not a guy, another guy, another infielder who wasn't really drafted for his bat. I think he's still pretty young for that level, if I'm not mistaken, Willie. Um, yeah, but he's he's been better for the last couple weeks with hitting. I think he's only 20, 21. He was really young when they drafted him. Um, excellent glove, as you said. He's a shortstop, can play other positions because it's something that they work on. Uh, good to see the bat waking up. And in fact, I wanted to message you one day and got caught up taking care of something else and mentioned him to you because he just had a couple of hits that night. He's one that, uh, my understanding, I, I might have this backwards, but he was a switch hitter at one point in time. I don't think he's doing that anymore. Um, but that was something that he tried to add during his senior year of high school, from my understanding. And he's also somebody that um, didn't really originate in Florida, but moved to Florida. So there's been some acclimation on his part. I, I think that's possibly some of the slower growth track, if you will. I think people expected more from somebody who was paid so much, paid a million dollars and drafted so high. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, he was originally from Havana, Cuba. Uh, high school was MacArthur in Hollywood, Florida. He uh, is 20 years old. He'll be 21 this August. Um, looks like the stats are down in MLB. <clears throat> MILB.com still has him as a switch hitter, so I think he still is. He's got a 718 OPS this year now. Um, obviously no power to speak of, but a 282 average, 359 OBP. So, yeah, he's, he's still pretty on par age-wise for the level. And, um, you know, he definitely hit the ball a little bit better the last couple of weeks. I'm curious to see. I know he's got the gloves. So I'm curious to see what he can do um, get, if given more opportunities. It's definitely good to see another one there. He was a second-round pick. That's a that's a fairly high draft pick for somebody who you're pretty sure is glove first. So I feel like you need to see something out of the bat to be justified drafted that high. So um, good to see if that starts turning around. 
We talked about Noel in right field, Alexi Planez uh, off the IL in Lake County. Finally, he had a home run in his first game back. Um, I haven't checked what he's done since, but definitely like to see him get it going here soon uh, at some point. As we've mentioned multiple times in the podcast, plenty of tools, a lot of talent, um, just a lot of approach issues and, and swing and miss issues. How about uh, Doug Nikhazy this week, Willie? I'm, I'm excited. Finally, my guy had a good week. Uh, he made it into the fifth inning. He struck out seven. He walked two. He gave up two hits. Um, really fastball heavy. I, I don't know what the velocity was. I was listening to the broadcast, and they didn't have anything to say velocity-wise in the broadcast. But um, I think he only got one strikeout in the curveball. Everything else was change-up fastball. So uh, the arm speed looked good. I'm just really excited he turned in a good start. But I'm really interested in the fact that um, – the reason he dominated so well was, was the fastball. That's not, you know, kind of not really his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that he has to work off of. To me, it's a one, two combo with him and then everything else is filler. Um, that's not to insult him, but he has a good fastball that the ride on it. And then also that curveball that he can drop. I like that curve. And, um, you know, that could be a weapon as he moves up as a reliever. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I said he had, the first, had his first good start of his career, and you're like, yeah, as he moves up as a reliever, that'll be good. No, he uh, he definitely has struggled at times this year. But that was really a really good outing for him. We'll yep, see if he can build on it. Um, how about this comment? I'm going to get your take on this because you watch more college baseball than I do um, or anybody I know, really. Um, uh, Jared watches more than I do. <laughs> well, okay, so you, you you watch college baseball more than I do and, one, and less than one person I know, so. That's still a lot more than I do. Um, the captain's manager mentioned that um, Nikhazy was one of those guys who kind of had to get it going sooner in starts. He said that in college, you know, you could hang around for a couple innings and and know you're going to go deep into the start and kind of feel your way through command and your stuff and just kind of get settled in. And he said, versus, you know, the pros, you have to have your stuff from pitch one. Otherwise, you're knocked out of the game. You're running up high counts. Um, and he said it was really just the mentality. Maybe it's a mentality thing and he just has to be more aggressive and, and know that from the first pitch, he has to be locked in and doesn't have the benefit of, um, knowing he's going to have time to find his stuff and and his command and just get by on pure stuff. Do you feel like you in college when, when they're, especially even the SEC where it's a good conference, um, cause the captain's management that mentioned this about Tanner Burns last year. So that's two guys in the SEC, um, do you feel like Nikhazy and, and, and even Burns got by on stuff sometimes in college and um, maybe waited? They got locked in as the game went, went, around, uh, went along, and that's kind of an issue transitioning to the pros. Do you feel like you saw that in video at all last year with, with Nikhazy or Burns in the past? Nothing I ever really put a thought to it, um, but it makes a lot of sense to me because of the quality of competition that you're facing, but also the quality of competition – that is on your own team. So you've got good players behind you that you can rely on. Hey, they'll go get that, you know, um, obviously you play a non-conference schedule. And with that being said, your non-conference schedule, Hey, we're playing Northwest Mississippi tech tonight. And they got one good hitter. (laughs) Yeah. So you can just kind of breeze through and you don't have your best stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point. And even in the sec, you have some guys that you know you're going to be able to get out pretty easily. Um, some of the guys are not um, 
they're not going to be major league talent. They might be org filler type guys, even with the quality of content. I think what you have is a larger pool of quality players there. Um, you run into the deeper lineups on a, on a night-to-night basis in the SEC. Um, there might be four or five guys on a really good team and then some other guys that are up-and-comers um, or might have potential down the road, you know. But um, I think you can get by with not having your best stuff a couple times through the lineup and then and then tear them up. You know, you end up with a 10-strikeout night even though you pitched six innings and had two or three walks. It looks a lot better, but you you may feast on those guys at the bottom of the lineup that aren't up to par, uh, so to speak. It's an interesting comment I thought from from their manager saying that. Not that he was digging him; it's just you know it's part of development. But sure. like you look at Gavin Williams, and Gavin Williams is just overpowering guys. You know, he just goes out there and and just kind of shoves, for lack of a better term. He goes out there and just he's absolutely. Um, He's a bully. Yeah, he's definitely a bully. Um, it's just an interesting, you know, difference between that and and Nikhazy, who comes from a very good conference. Not that um, I don't know what, what conference ECU is in. Is that ACC? Is that um, I don't even I don't know what. Con- yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, I feel like it can't be as good as SEC competition wise. Maybe yeah. it is, and I'm underselling it. But um, just an interesting difference in, in mentality and, and part of development is. You know, from pitch one, even if Williams isn't on, he's so overpowering. And I guess maybe that's the difference in Arsenal with Nikhazy, too. But hopefully it continues. Um, so that's where we got in Lake County. We talked about Hunter Gaddis and Akron, Joey Cantillo. Uh, we touched on George Valera. Bo Naylor, another good weekend for him. Another home. He does uh, third home run of the year. Um, drawing some walks. He got a couple strikeouts. But uh, everything still looks a lot better for him this year. I'm curious to see. Um you know, we're only about a, two months in here, Willie, but we didn't move Bo Naylor down in our rankings too much, you know, banking on the fact that he was super young and is a catcher, even though he had a very poor offensive season last year. But so far, he's been pretty good. What do you think that um, around baseball, we see him move up some lists again after some lists kind of were down on him to start the year? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was still pretty high on him, especially – I told you I watched uh, a couple of Nick Enright's outings and he was catching and, and that really popped out to me. It was the quality of bat bats that he was putting up, which was encouraging to me. Also, the same thing I watched with uh, Tolentino last year was the quality of bat bats. So a guy might run a line like 200, but if he's doing what he should and working the counts and putting up quality at bats or he gets a good hit and the outfielder gets there, I mean, he's done all that he can do. It's Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's, you know, it's bad luck, but, you know, you, you can't control that, but you have to control what you can control. Don't get yourself out stupid hacking at the first three pitches, you know. Um, make the pitcher work and see what they have and, and be smart. You got to take what they give you sometimes. And, you know, I, I think um, I was encouraged by uh, – there was one at bat, if I remember, last year with Naylor that he put up nine or ten. Um, it was nine or ten pitches deep, and I can't remember if that was against Erie or or who it was but it stood out to me and it was later in the season if i remember right um but that was really encouraging to me seeing that and i was like you know i know what he struggled all year but it's this late in the season and he's putting up quality at bats like that that was an encouraging sign to me you know and i i think i said to you then that 
hey, I feel like he's in for a rebound year. Or he's going to be a lot better this year. I think we're just seeing natural maturation with him too, and he's still very young for level. Um, you have to consider that. It's something that Cleveland really digs, if you will. Um, I think with a young catcher like him, I'm, I'm still take your time and develop him. Um, I think he has to be added to the 40 this offseason. I think he's definitely worthy of a spot. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason not to be adding at this point. I mean, I know after last year, everyone wasn't sure. And um, obviously wait and see what he did this year. But uh, no reason not to add him at this point going forward. Uh, also wanted to mention again, Tim Hare, another dominant week. Uh, I heard he was up to 97 on the Binghamton broadcast. That's really good for him. Uh, he was kind of another guy who last year in Lake County was – um, 92, 94. Now he's more like 93, 95 at 97. The slider's good. He's thrown a lot of multi-inning outings too. I think, uh, I think I counted the other day that he's got five outings this year where he's pitched more than an inning. I really like Tim Heron, Willie. I'm curious to see, we'll, we'll dig more into relievers as we get later into the year. Um, with the rule five stuff, obviously, because everyone who listens to us loves the rule five stuff. That's that's our bread and butter here at the site is, is rule five and draft content. That's what we should just all just do rule five and, and draft content going forward. But draft um, coverage all year. <laughs> yes. All year draft. And then all year rule five, the rule five is one day out of the year and it's didn't even happen last year, but um, we're just going to focus on that all year. But, you know, guys like Kevin Kelly, Andrew Misiazak, Tim Heron, um, Nick Enright, Nick Mikulajek. There's a lot of relievers to consider this, this fall and, We'll dig deeper into that, but I am, I have to say I'm excited for Tim Heron. I think it's, it's fun to see a left-handed power reliever in that system for the first time. And, and I can't remember the last time they had a left-handed power reliever like that. His control has taken a step forward this year. The walks are down. That's good to see. He does have a good bit of complicated delivery, but they've shortened the arm stroke a little bit, um, which, you know, we love that they love to do, but I don't know. I'm excited about him. If he's throwing 97, he's, he's, uh, He's locating the way he can. He has a good slider. Um, it'll be fun to see if they can add him because a left-handed reliever throws 97 and doesn't walk guys all the time. That's a valuable commodity in the Rule 5 draft, so they're going to have an interesting decision on him. Even if he's throwing 97 and has that good slider and his walk rate was 4.5 per 9, you know that's still somebody that would profile more like a, a mental reliever. Somebody would take a risk on that profile. That's basically what uh, Francisco Perez put up last year. I think it, his oh, yeah. walk rate was something like that. And, you know, you get a cup of coffee out of it. I, I think Heron has a similar, maybe a higher profile than than uh, Francisco Perez does. Maybe a better opportunity, if you will, that better quality of arm, I guess is what I'm really trying to say there. Um, I like Heron more. Yeah. yeah. I like Heron more than I like Perez. And I like Perez quite a bit when he first broke into the organization. And things didn't quite work out for him here, but you know, whatever will be, will be there. Um, Heron was a, a cold weather guy from Indiana too, if I remember correctly, uh, later round draft pick. And, you know, you mentioned several names there. Uh, I don't know if you said Jared Janzik or not, Kevin Kelly, um, Miko Lachak, uh, Andrew, I don't even know how you say his last name, the <laughs> Northeastern. Uh, I'll say Misa cause that's, that works for me. Um, <laughs> They have a lot of fun names there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, could they not at all? I mean, I feel bad for whoever has to do their jerseys in the future, right? I mean, just right now, you on Akron, you have Missy Azek and Jared Janzek and 
um, Mick, well, Mick Law Jackson, Columbus, but man, the Jersey guys are awfully busy. They might yeah. Busy and you know, the, these are guys that are all later round draft choices too. You know, the, your relievers will slide. Uh, James Kernchak was a, a ninth round pick. If I remember right. Eighth or ninth. That's right. Um, so you can get some value in these rounds in, uh, Miko, he was a, a swing starter at times too. So, you know, that's why he has four pitches, um, and should be able to profile well. I think even with the, the lower velocity, he's still got good control. Um, not at pop 97 yet this year. And hopefully whatever's going on there, he rebounds, but, uh, Heron definitely encouraging up to 97. And there's a lot of video, um, of him on Twitter. I'd encourage people to look that up because he's put in a lot of work the last few years to get where he is now and kind of develop and make himself into the prospect that he is. Yeah. I mean, I know we have, we don't really rank a ton of relievers in our, in our rankings unless we feel like they're going to be impact or set up closer types. And I, I don't know, I'm kind of moving that way with Tim Heron at this point. We'll see what, what things look like when we get past the draft and we start to consider the rankings, but um I don't know. He might put himself I mean, left-hander could throw 97 and has an idea where the ball is going. That definitely um, piques your interest and makes you think about the rankings. Um, move on to Columbus real quick. A guy who uh, is kind of sliding for me, Willie, is Adam Scott. His starts this year haven't been very good. Neither has Tobias Myers. Uh, we've talked about him in the past. He's had a tough year. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I- I'm thinking, I don't know, my head just goes to injury with Tobias Myers because – the velocity is down to 89, 92 for him. And he was like 92, 95 last year and his control has evaporated. So I don't know. To me, that's a, that's a red flag for an injury, but we don't know that for sure. So I don't want to say, but also Adam Scott last week I was watching. Um, he was about 89, 92. Uh, you know, when he came back from that injury last year, Willie, he was popping 94 and we thought, okay, well, the velocity has gone up. They've cleaned up his arm action a little bit uh, more efficient, and we thought this is a guy that could have gone in the Rule 5 draft because another lefty with good control and um, nice improving fastball. Yeah, a good slider, curveball. This year, I don't know, the velocity's down. The control hasn't been the same. Um, we thought maybe if there was a Rule 5 draft, he would go, and we thought, you know, are they going to find a way to add him? The way he's going right now, I, I kind of feel like it's reliever or um, he's probably left off the 40-man roster uh, come this fall. Yeah, I don't think he's a priority guy. Um, Heron may bypass him. We'll see. I do agree that it's a relief profile. He could be somebody that ends up getting picked up um, in the Rule 5 draft. And he's already an older guy, too. He's already 26, if I remember correctly. So he was a a senior sign whenever they got him as a fourth-round pick a few years ago. And a lot of people felt um, that he would be a left-handed reliever, somebody that would be quick to the base left-handed reliever type. Uh, It's not been the case development as a starter and, and you know he looked like he might be a, a fifth starter at some point in time but you know things have uh, gone sideways a little bit on him but I think he's still a prospect worth knowing as far as his capacity to become a reliever in the future yeah he still has that profile just I think we thought after his improvements last year that he was going to be moving more into back the rotation starter guy who who might have been worthy as, as a 40-man protection move and now it doesn't seem like that's the case so uh this is why i wanted to know that <clears throat> peyton badfield turned in another uh two two inning or two outings last week i should say where he threw seven innings 
Um, two earned runs all week, so another good week for Peyton Battenfield. The strikeouts are kind of down for him this year, which I'm I'm not really sure about. But every time out, he's going you know five, six, seven innings, and he's keeping runs off the board. So that's good to see. Tyler Freeman's starting to pick things up a little bit. He's sitting a little better. He had a uh, couple hits over the weekend. I think he had five hits on Saturday and Sunday combined. So uh, not a surprise, hit obviously. His, his hit by pitches too. Um, that that's something that uh, you know. I think you and I talked about earlier in the week. But he had like nine um, hit by pitches in just seventeen games. If I'm if I read that right, mm-hmm. um, that's an impressive feat. <laughs> <laughs> Taking one for the team, literally the the Brandon Geyer um, skill set there. Yeah, I think we have to start to consider that's part of his profile, right? Like there was some some writing years back. I can't; it's, it hasn't been that long, but I can't remember who wrote about it. And it probably it's probably at somebody at Fangraph, somebody smarter than I am who wrote it. But <clears throat> just talking about hit by pitch is a skill, and looking at the guys over the years who have been hit by pitch and, and it's consistent and that's part of their profile. Like, like it's a walk, right? Um, so for the year, Tyler Freeman has 78 plate, or I'm sorry, 90 plate appearances. He has nine strikeouts, three walks, and he's been hit by a pitch nine, uh, seven times, nine times. And he struck out nine. So he's been hit by a pitch as often as he gets struck out, which is nine each, uh, more than he walks. So when you look at his OBP and it's 356, but his walk rate is three and a half or a little under three and a half. You're like, okay, how is that working? Well, he's getting hit by a pitch a lot. So um, like you said, Brandon Geyer is one of those people. I know there's been others over the years too, but um, I, I, I guess as long as he's not getting hurt, that you can consider that part of his skill set and part of the way he keeps his OVP from not being, you know, terrible considering he doesn't walk tons. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, um, Peyton Graham as a, an interesting draft prospect coming into the 2022 draft who has that type of profile, nine hit-by-pitch last year. That's up to 14 this year. So, you know, it, maybe it, maybe it's an art, um, but his OBP is 422. So I think we would definitely take anybody running a 422 out there. Yeah, it's hard to. would look good, you know, so. Yeah, hard not to uh, appreciate that profile. We like guys who get on base. Um, all right, we're moving on a little bit here. We're 45 minutes. we got some other things to cover. Um, I wanted to ask you two quick things because um, one guy we didn't cover yet. Yeah, Tanner um, Ridley. <laughs> Tanner, yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to that in a question. There's another guy, too, was Will Brennan. But um, so far, traffic-wise, this might be an easy question, but to you, two months in here, almost two months in, uh, who has been the most impressive draft pick for you so far, Willie? Um, I'll say it's easy, but it's probably not going to be who some people think it is. Uh, maybe Jake Fox, um, that profile that he's running. We, I think we expected this from a 23-year-old pitcher in low A. So that's that's kind of my take on that. That's why I'm going with a name that a lot of people aren't expecting. I think Jake Fox has done really well, especially with the walk I think he's walk rates around 17, almost 18% right now. Um, good for second or third in the organization. Um, we see that we see the athleticism, his ability to stay middle of the infield or even in the outfield now, cause he's getting some time out in center. Uh, so I think that's impressive um, as an 18, 19 year old kid and first full season pro ball, I think is very impressive. Uh, I want to see him carry that throughout the season, maybe pick up a little bit of power, but he's definitely putting up pro at bats 
So it's very encouraging for somebody so young. Um, it's less impressive when it's a 22, 23 year old and, you know, a, a level higher. And I'm not knocking Gavin Williams and I'm not knocking Tanner Bibby. I'm just thinking outside the box here a little bit, but I love both of those two guys, particularly Williams. Yeah, I like no, I like that answer. It's a good out of the box answer, and it makes a ton of sense. You're right. He's, um, you know, hasn't really hit a ton. You know, he's hitting 246, but like you said, drawing a ton of walks. He's got six deals. Cleveland has uh, put him at second and third. He's even played center field, so that's fun too. Um, I think the battle come around for him too. Like you said, he's 19. He's still, he's young for that level. Um, but when you see that kind of approach, that level, that's that's fun to see for sure. Um, there's a lot of guys, I guess you can go after. There's been a lot of uh, fun guys. I like the relievers that have been in Lynchburg. You know, I know David Sharp and, and Jack Leftwich and uh, Reed Johnston are all a little bit older for that level, but I like the stuff. They're all, you know, relief profiles to me, but it's it's good to see those guys. And um, as far impressive. as the guy, you know, you mentioned yeah, Gavin Williams, I think we expected this from, not that it, it's not impressive, but you expected this, and I think we both thought that he could be in double A to start. Um, I would just say Tanner Bybee, who's gone from 90, 92 in college to, you know, touching 97 and even 98 as a pro to the, the, how quick he went from new mechanics that have transformed his velocity. I think that's, what's most impressive to me is that it's not even the performance. It's the fact that he adapted those changes to his delivery from college last year to the pros this year and how fast it's allowed him to take off. I think um, that, that generally says what a good athlete he is, right? When you have an athlete who's able to make mechanical changes that fast, that yes. to me says good athlete. And have those kind of results. I mean, physically he looks like he's a good athlete, um, but his stuff shows on the field. It did in, it did in college. I think he was really good at every level. Um, I say every level, I'm maybe I shouldn't say every level, but every year, year to year or year after year. Um, he was impressive. He bet on himself that he could pitch himself higher into the draft. And that didn't work out when you don't have a 95 mile an hour fastball on a consistent basis. And he flashed it, but just wasn't able to get that all of the time. Cleveland has clearly unlocked something. And I, and I think he's also an intelligent guy, which is why I think his uh, ceiling is probably ticking higher than a fourth or fifth starter now. Um, but I'll leave that one to you because you've actually seen him in person, I think, and I have not. Yeah, I, well, I've seen him a lot on video and I've seen him in person, but um, I, th I think people don't, the common and we're common people too, but I think when you go to, you watch a player going from college, the pros or any baseball player, really, when you've been throwing or swinging the same way for a long time, and then all of a sudden you make changes the way, um, like muscle guys memory. like Daniel. Yeah. Muscle member. But then, and then you have guys like Daniel Spino and, and, and Tanner Bybee who have made, I would say significant operation changes to their deliveries from amateurs to pros. I, I don't know if, if everybody appreciates how quick, you know, how hard that is to do and how, how well he's done it from being in college last year, throwing one way and um, how he is this year. I think the fact that he's done that in less than a year um, is extremely impressive. I don't know. People really realize how difficult that is and for him to have success doing it right away is, is um, not always the case when guys make mechanical changes. Sometimes it takes a long time 
yeah. for that stuff to work out and stick and it <laughs> clearly hasn't for him, which again, that's why I said good athlete and you said smart and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, and I, suspect, uh, I suspect that's been some of the issue for Cantillo, um, which was him making a few mechanical changes and then, you know, it resulted in more walks and stuff because he wasn't used to doing that. But I think now that you see him getting that momentum, as I said earlier, you know, he's kind of found himself doing that. And he's getting into the groove. I think that's where Bibby is. He just responded to it really well. Uh, your athletes, guys who were great athletes are going to, are going to be able to make those changes and will adjust faster. So I think that's why you're seeing it. Uh, Cleveland's definitely found something there. I think he's potential, uh, maybe a middle of the rotation arm in the future, I, because I don't think the other stuff is as sharp as it could be. Um, or is as impressive as other guys' stuff, but his whole repertoire and his intelligence with what he has is going to make him a fun pitcher in the bigs. It sure is. Um, another quick thing, too, before we move on to questions. Who in our rankings is going to move up? Uh, Willie, for me, Will Brennan's moving up. Uh, he came into the season as our 47th-ranked prospect. I think he's top 30 now for me, maybe even top 20. Um, Hunter Gaddis is 39 right now. I think he's going to go up in a big way. Um, Tanner Bybee was not in our rankings just because we hadn't seen him. So I think he immediately flies up the list, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, I would Not that he's going to move up a lot, but I think that for me, even though he hasn't pitched in a month, Daniel Espino probably takes over the top spot in the system to yep. me. Um, yeah, that's about who I think is going to move up at this point. Anybody else I could think of that? Maybe Joey Cantillo. Um, yes. Uh, I think Jake Fox will move up, up to just on uh, Angel Martinez, yeah. possibly, um, should be moving up. Um, you can say maybe Bo Naylor. He's definitely should should possibly challenge for a slot or two in the top ten. He's already eight or nine with us. I think maybe it was eight last year. Uh, but Cody Morris hasn't pitched yet and has been injured, so he'd be sliding down. Uh, it's unfortunate, too, by the way. But, uh yeah, Milan Tolentino is 37. That's a guy that could move up the rankings for us. And believe yeah. me, there's plenty of guys moved down. There's plenty of guys moved down. I mean, uh, Tana hasn't played well, even though he's young for the level. Lenny Torres has struggled. Hankins is still hurt. Myers has struggled. Um, Bracho yeah, has struggled. Yeah, oh, Adam Scott was 38. Bracho is running down, the so. now prospect um, gauntlet right yeah. now, I'll just say. Yeah, it's unfortunate with how much money they paid him. They had a lot of high hopes for him. but um, So there will be some, I would say, some significant movement this uh, midseason, especially after the draft. So I am, like I said before, I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, lots of talent. To... <laughs> there's a possibility of adding a, a guy that could possibly slide into the top five. You know, that quality of, of prospect in this draft um, with that – 16th pick and then you'll add in you know last year we added in doug nikhazy jake fox was the lower lower on our rankings um we see aaron davenport was another one that we talked about uh, we didn't talk about a guy like, yeah and we didn't talk about a guy like rodney but um we kind of hit to the fifth round and asked ourselves are we going to slot these guys in in or how many write-ups are we going to do and it was uh hey let's let these guys prove themselves so that's exactly what bybee has done um and i think you'll see rodney boone sliding in there somewhere too yeah rodney boone will Dion. yeah both those guys for sure 
well being on the midseason update for us. How about some questions? We've got a couple good ones, and this one's about Tanner Bybee. This is from AJ Gary. Um, is Tanner Bybee a top 10 prospect in the system by the end of the year? And then how fast does Gavin Williams make it to Cleveland? Um, I can't say Bybee's a top 10 prospect. I mean, this is a good system. You still have Valeri, you still have Espino, you still have Rocchio. Gavin Williams is in there. Bo Taylor's having a good year. I mean, Stephen Kwan will graduate off our list. Um, Tanner Burns yeah, I drops would say- uh, because of injury. Cody Morris will drop because of injury. Um, you have guys like Hankins, Vargas, Webb all coming back to that could impact. Uh, we'll see. Um, Bobby, I don't I would think say top 25 for Bibby. Definitely. Yeah. I would say his ceiling might be 15 right now. Um, that's just me kind of rule of thumb. Um, I just don't see him breaking the top 10 for sure. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do your first year unless you're you know, a Gavin Williams, like Bobby's going to be I, so far. We really like him, but he, he is 23 in high. A. would like to see him in double a here soon. I know it's going to be hard if Gavin Williams isn't even there. So um, as far as Gavin Williams is concerned, I don't know. I, I would say earliest, I would say for Williams is 2024. Maybe, maybe the end of next year is as fast as I can say. Yeah, I, I agree with that on on Bobby and Williams. Um, I think you're looking at the same track on them. Maybe a Jack Lefkowitz too. Uh, Rodney Boone would be a probably a year behind them. Um, you know, Will Dion probably a year behind them, and Aaron Davenport uh, a year or two behind them because Davenport was one of the younger juniors drafted. Um, but I think your top guys like Doug Nikhazy and Williams, twenty twenty four probably makes a lot of sense. Um, and you also have to consider the fact that they have a lot of depth and guys in front of them that need to be rostered first. So that's going to happen like Logan, the Logan Allen. Um, he will be rostered first. Uh, a Peyton Battenfield will have to be rostered first. Hunter Gaddis, just to throw a couple of other names that are kind of in pecking order ahead of them, so to speak. None of them have that type of uh, upside that Williams offers. Um, but all of them will need to be rostered first. So. It's going to be an interesting offseason of 40-man movement again. Uh, our buddy Quincy asked us to rank the top six stars we've seen in Akron this year in terms of most confident that will be a major league starting pitcher. Um, I think number one is, is pretty simple. That's the Spino. Um, number two, I like I'm going to say Cantillo. That's who two. I was going to say. Yeah, I, I think Hunter Gaddis has a good shot of being a, a legit starter now, especially with the added velocity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gaddis three. Um, I'll still go Burns four. I know the injuries are, are starting to bother me a little bit with him, but um, the talent's there. I mean, we we all thought, I mean, you and Jared thought that was a safe floor pick, and um, if he stays healthy, he can be in the rotation in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Xavier Curry may be a fifth starter. Um, I think you could profile him as a reliever, maybe even a setup guy, because that the way that that fastball curveball plays. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I think good possibility he's a fifth starter. It really depends on what organization some of these guys are into. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just saying. Can't that, be here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, they all can't do it here. Am I missing somebody from Double A that we that started yeah, the game we're with? Forgetting, here? We're forgetting somebody. Oh, 
I forgot Logan Allen. <laughs> okay, you know, let me go back. Let me go back. I'm sorry. Um, Espino, Allen, Cantillo, Burns, um, Curry. That's that's my five. That's my order. And then six would be. No, I think you forgot. Uh, oh, did I, really? Okay, wow. This is this is why it's so hard. You have okay, Espino. I can't remember them all either. So, Espino, Allen, Gaddis, Cantillo, uh, Burns, Curry. There you go. That's my yeah. six. Any disagreement? Yeah, yep, I make that order makes sense to me. Um, I I might have uh, Gaddis and Cantillo. He flip flop those two, I think. But That's fair. I think you just want to pick. Hit the pecking order there. Yeah. All right. And our last question, I think we actually may have one more. I should go back and check. But our buddy Chuck, um, next position player to make the debut and how high can Hunter Gaddis' ceiling be? We talked about Gaddis already, uh, possibly number three starter. Um, Next position player to make their major league debut. Um, I don't know. I I guess – I'm not ready to say Tyler Freeman just because of they have to make a trade. If if Tyler Freeman makes his debut, either somebody's got to get hurt or they have to make a trade. So I don't I don't think it's Tyler Freeman. I think it's Nolan Jones, even though he's not healthy right now. Um, he's on the forty and he's due for a shot if he can come back and play well. I think it's I think it's Nolan Jones is the next guy to make his major league debut. I mean, if he doesn't come back and play and, and get healthy enough in time to make his debut. I guess if they can create a spot for Oscar Gonzalez or Will Benson, those guys might be in the running for that. But um, it, well, you know, with, COVID, with the COVID protocols yeah. too, they they may have to grab an outfielder. Um, what if they decide to run Will Benson or even go after Will Brennan? You know, that may seem extreme, but with his quality of at bats, you know, I'd feel comfortable running him in there. Um, Benson's definitely been impressive this year too. And I know a lot of people are hoping Oscar Gonzalez gets a chance here in Cleveland. Um, I am going to go with Tyler Freeman because I think Ahmed Rosario will be traded in July. And I think that opens the door for Freeman. I think they want to see what he is. Um, His major league debut may not be in Cleveland, you know, who knows with, uh, with the way that, things are going. Uh, I think the team's middling right now. Um, but with the, with the depth that they have in the middle infield, he could be a guy that ends up elsewhere for a long-term piece. So who knows, you know, um, I'll, I'll pick Tyler Freeman for now. I'm a big fan of his. So. Yeah. I like him too. It's funny though. Chuck didn't say which position player will make his debut in Cleveland, which prospects. So you said Tyler Freeman could be the next to make his debut. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you kind of change the rules in the question there, but you're right. He didn't say it uh, officially. So um, that was a nice little or catch. And then we got, yeah. And no, you could be hundred percent right. I mean, I, it, at this point we are willing them to trade somebody, whether it's they trade um, a Rosario or they trade prospects for something at this point, we are just trying to get them to make a trade to, to make use of what I, they built in terms of prospect depth. This background is fake. I'm at the airport right now getting ready to uh, pick up <laughs> Yu Chang. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Where are you taking Yu Chang? Do I, do I want to know? Are you taking him Parts to Houston? Unknown. Are you taking him to uh, California? Okay. <laughs> All right. Yu Ch- Chang is in limbo, according to Willie. Um, 
who's going to have to go back and witness protection after this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, John Turner, the last question. How many, this is a good one, for, a good follow-up, actually. Um, how many of Freeman, Arias, Tina, Jones, and Rokio get traded before next year? That's a very tough one. Um, yeah. I got to think the minimum's two, right? You can't trade less than one. Like, you know, Freeman can handle second or short, but um, you have him in as he's playing really well, and, and someone's going to play short next to him or next to – or he'll play short. Um Jones could play elsewhere. If you think he has a major league future, he can be an outfielder. Um, or you put him a third and give Jose more at bats at DH so we can go with Willie's idea of not bogging down one player at DH, which I like. Um, and I think Rokio is the shortstop of the future still. So I think that leaves to me Arias and Jose Tena as part of trades. I, I think the minimum here is two. That's what I was going to say, too. I think I think Tena is trade bait, and then I think it's either – I think it's 50-50 um jones i think could go on the right deal uh, if the team meets a third baseman or if they think he can play third base or just be an average third baseman uh, i think you're really looking at trading the first three that he lists there though freeman arias and, and tana i do think rokio is still the future at shortstop i think he's an upgrade above jimenez and uh as i said jimenez is a potential future all-star shortstop in my opinion um so i think that's saying a lot of what rokio is or could be for sure. A lot of group think again, Will. We got to stop that. Oh, uh, yeah, usually, I know. We're usually pretty good at that. Um, all right, Willie, since you had the week off last week and we had uh, John Elrod on, um, we still did the player of the week stuff. Obviously, for those who haven't listened before, um, we do player of the week every week and uh, we pick a pitcher and a hitter, and whoever has the better week um, gets the win. So it's, it's me versus the rest of the staff. So usually it's Willie. If it's somebody else filling in, it's me versus that person so this should be pretty easy willie um brian i picked brian rocchio and tanner bybee tanner, tanner bybee had another good start last week rocchio is kind of so-so but john went with george valero who had three home runs and nine rbi and he went with joey cantillo who had four more uh shutout innings where he had one i think one walk and one hit so um do i even need to ask who won last week i'm gonna go with the field there <laughs> the field wins. That was a good set of picks for sure. Uh, rough start for me. Uh, the field of uh, GBI um, podcasters and writers is now three and two on the year. I am one and four. So off to a rough start for me. It's going to be a long way to climb out of this basement. Um, with that being said, Willie, uh, when you and I are on the show, um, we are going to pick from our 2022 guardians prospect draft, which we did before the season. And uh, we'll revisit this throughout the year. Talk about who had the better draft of prospects. Uh, we filled out a team of <clears throat> uh, normal positions, you know, catcher first, third outfield, all that good stuff. And utility player, uh, five starters and two relievers each. So Willie, who do you want to go with from your pool of players? Do you have that ready? I don't have a pitching this- staff, man. They're all, they're all injured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for reference, Willie's pitching staff, he has Gavin Williams, which is good, but Cody Morris, Tanner Burns, Carlos Vargas, Ethan Hankins, uh, that's four of his seven pitchers all on the IL. So your pitchers, Willie, this week are either Williams, Nikhazy, Lenny Torres, or you can pick a free agent off the board. We're going to allow that. Uh, so uh, who's your pitcher so, this week? You know, I, I'm going to default. I'm going to let you have first pick since you lost. Loser should get to the first pick. So I'm going to let you pick. Oh, he feels bad for me. All right. 
That's fair. Well, I just called you a loser. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really feeling bad for me. Now you're just insulting me. Jeez. Um, I guess I guess we only have winners and losers. If you're not first, you're last. We only have winners and losers here. That's fair. That's right. Um, well, there's two places, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's only two places. And if you're at the bottom, you're not at the top. Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. Um, let's see. Well, I have a Spino who's hurt. And I have Tobias Myers, who's been not really good this year. Xavier Curry has struggled. I feel like Logan Allen, I don't know who Akron's playing, but he had a tough week last week. Had some some bad uh, Babbitt luck. I'm going to go with Peyton Banfield. Peyton Banfield uh, has consistently turned in some really good starts um, the last couple times out. So I'm going to go with Banfield for my pitcher. And... and I don't know. Micah Preece just had a couple of good games for Akron. I'm not going to bank on that. You know what? That's fine. I'll go with Micah Preece. Micah Preece had a homer and a triple yesterday for Akron. Um, maybe he'll go. Maybe he'll build on that and have a good week. How about that? That works for me. And now, are we doing? Um, are we doing one free agent and one of our players? Was that our rule? Uh, I just I just picked from my roster, but feel free to pick whoever. I you know what. I'm taking it back. I'm not going with Michael Breeze. I'm going with Will Brennan. Screw it. I need I need somebody to get me out of the, the doghouse here. So I'm taking Will Brennan. No, but neither one of us drafted Will Brennan. I can't believe that. I thought you did. I did not. I took so my outfield is Stephen Kwan, who Oh um, yeah. He yeah, I get it. I, I was gonna take him. Um and I decided to go. I went down my board uh, and I told you my <laughs> my draft uh my draft strategy was to actually just go by the player rankings. And that's how I tried to stick to the, to the draft, you know, and I found it a little difficult when it got to outfielders because there wasn't a lot of outfielders to grab. Yeah. Um, if you go back and listen to that podcast, I initially grabbed a guy like uh, Oscar Gonzalez and then moved him to DH once, uh, once I realized I wouldn't need him mm-hmm. in the outfield. Um, so it, my my choices for this week, I'm going to go with um, Milan Tolentino, and I'm going to go with uh, Tanner Bybee. I think that's fair. Yeah, no, either of those guys were picked, so that is, uh, it's two good picks. Those are guys that for sure are going to be talked about a lot when prospect rankings come around. Tolentino might be a guy that moves up, too. I'm, I don't know where – where do we have Tolentino? Do you remember where we had him? He was 37, if I remember right. Mm, yeah, he, he'll, uh, he should be yeah you're right. Yeah, I think he'll move up as well. So uh, it's going to be an interesting way to go. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I can't wait to do that. I know other, other sites are doing that. I know, you know, Baseball America and Pipeline are updating theirs. But I think we should wait. I would like to get our, our a new set of rankings out before the draft and then just kind of slide our, our guys in the dra- after the draft where we think they're going to go. So, um End of June, early July for us is when you'll see an update, but um, maybe we'll publish some other fun stuff in the meantime before then. So, Willie, any final thoughts before we get out of here? We're about a minute, a minute ten, an hour ten. It felt like a minute ten. minute ten. I know it did feel like a minute ten for sure. That was a very quick podcast this week. Um, yeah, you got draft stuff tomorrow, another big board. You got a mock draft coming up. Anything else? Yeah, just uh... – Keep an eye out on the board piece for tomorrow. And then part one of a mock draft will be coming out on Friday. And then the following Tuesday will be part two of that mock draft. That'll be 
uh, competitive balance round A and round two of Tuesday of next week. And then, then this Friday, we're going to have the first round mocked. So, and uh, Jared is going to be my assistant on that one. Should be fun. The uh, big board pieces are all free, but if you want to see Willie and Jared's uh, mock draft, you're going to have to subscribe to the site. Uh, $4.99 a month, you know, cost of a cup of coffee these days, and I won't go anywhere else with cost. Um, but or no commitment down, either. <laughs> <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, the way we're going. Um, if you have the means to do so, I highly recommend that if you are a Guardians fan and you've listened to us for an hour and 15 minutes, rambling on and you're not a subscriber um i think you would get more than what you're paying for um especially when it comes to willie's draft content because the closer we get to the draft the more in-depth willie's going to go in the draft and you're going to want to see all that and people more love the draft more content. guardians oriented uh there'll be yes. a couple of pieces and last year i hit over 80 players and cleveland made 21 selections of which i had 20, i think 11 of the 21 were on those pieces so yeah that's over that's close to 500 so that's a good batting average you're in the you're you made the hall of fame based on one year <laughs> that's pretty good that's that's how you're on a hall of fame pace that's good um all right for willie i'm justin thanks for listening again rate subscribe review all that good stuff uh let us know how we're doing thanks for listening this long and we will catch you next week oh you know what I take that back. I have a programming note. <laughs> Next week is Memorial Day weekend. I meant to bring this up. Next day is Memorial Day weekend. Um, I don't anticipate us recording next Monday. Uh, we'll effort to see if we can get something together Tuesday. I know our schedules don't always line up on Tuesdays. Um, and we'll see if anybody else is, is available as well. And I, maybe I'm not even available. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I do know in two weeks we will not have a podcast. Uh, two weeks I will be in Myrtle Beach for vacation. So, um Two weeks from now, there will be no podcast. We'll make sure I'll try to get one done next week, but um, just a little housekeeping note for everybody who's listening. So, uh, so you're aware when the next ones will be dropping. Thanks for listening this week, and we will catch you again um, in the near future. Yeah.